Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 43. Today, I'll be interviewing Patrick Arguin. He is a proud children's book author and the creator of the Tools of the Heart, where he combines three passions, illustration, teaching, and helping little ones blossom into their own. Originally developed in French with the help of two heart-minded collaborators, later to be translated in English, Tools of the Heart aims to help young children learn self-care and develop or maintain a stronger sense of self through its books and guided meditations. Patrick resides in Quebec, Canada, where he continues to develop Tools of the Heart and its different projects while also working as a Reiki master, a counselor, and a school educator. Um, I always like to mention the website, which is um, tools of the, I think it's toolsoftheheart.com um, and Facebook at patrick.arguin. And I'm going to have all this information in the description on my website, languagedurymealtime.com. Um, and he's also on Instagram at tools of the heart. So thank you so much for being here, Patrick. I'm really excited to talk with you about your books. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a, it's, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. So I really, really enjoyed your books. Like I, I don't know, there's something warm and just lovely about, about the books. And I love the fact that there's so many of them. I mean, there's, um, what eight in the series? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the, the first thing I guess we could talk about is just about your background and mm-hmm. how you began writing the series, Tools of the Heart. <clears throat> well, um, if, if we go way back, you know, um, when I was in kinder, you know, two weeks after I had started uh, school, my mom received a note from the teacher saying, uh, it would be, uh, would you be so kind to help Patrick with coloring and uh, scissor cutting? So... So my mom sat down with me and taught me how to hold pencils, etc. And so began my passion for drawing. And I think I must have, must have spent uh, two thirds of my childhood drawing in my room, in the living room, in the kitchen, while watching TV, listening to the radio. And I like to play outside, but with my friends, etc. But when I came home from school, uh, I was glad to be on my own and doing my own thing. So. I would draw characters and scenes from Star Wars, which I was a huge, huge fan of. Oh yeah, yeah, we're big fans here. Yeah, <laughs> it really, it really had a, a deep impact on me. Not necessarily the sci-fi aspects of it, but uh, the relationship of Luke and Yoda and uh, learning the Force really uh, had an impact on me. And later in my teens, I would create characters and comic strips and, and stuff like that. And so graphic design was the obvious choice when, for me in terms of career orientation. But there was always that lingering interest in psychology and understanding human beings, which I always found uh, fascinating. And so I completed three years of college and three years of university in graphic design and started to work. But uh, in 2000, uh, at age 25, depression, depression came into my life. And I had come to the realization that the way I had lived my life so far, trying to please everyone else, um, 
uh, I just left me really empty and it just became unsustainable and unbearable. So because I didn't know who I was anymore and I had completely lost myself. And so started a healing journey where I would slowly reconnect myself with my inner child and who I was deep down. And for me, you know, the inner child is the pure and unwounded part of us that when we reconnect with it, enables us to uh, become more authentic and more empowered. And so began therapy and learning Reiki and meditation as means of self-care. Because I think that when you start a th any therapy or any healing journey, you know, self-care is really a, a good thing, a good starting point. So, but that process also re-sparked my fascination for the human heart and, and mind. And so later on, I started training to become a counselor, which spent over a few years. And through the midst of all that, I became a dad. And when my daughter was three years old, around 2006, uh, I could sense that this connection from her, her own inner child arising from the time she would spend in daycare. You know, I, I felt something was off. And, and so I thought, mm -mm, not if I can help it. <laughs> so I thought, would there be a way for me to teach her grounding and meditation? And drawing characters seemed to impose itself naturally. And so Colin the oak tree uh, was born and he needed a friend. So Fluffy the squirrel came along and then Mother Earth and Father Son. So at first there were only illustrations, but the idea of making stories emerged. But um, somehow I envisioned something bigger than just a, a story or two because I didn't have much material with just grounding or writing. So that is where my, my childhood and my healing journey served as this inspiration for developing the, the eight themes uh, that would become tools of the heart as an educational product and where each story would serve as a stepping stone for the next in, in order to facilitate the learning process for the children. And so working on this project is what sparked my interest uh, in become, becoming an educator. And so while in the midst of being a dad, working as a web designer and counseling as a side job, I started to train to become a specialized educator. And today I don't work as a graphic designer anymore, but um, I continue to use, use those talents when needed. So that is my backstory in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. I, you know, one of the things that, that you had said, I was just curious about how you thought of beginning the story with, you know, with the character of a squirrel and a tree? Like, how did that kind of come about? Because those, you know, the characters that are kind of consistent throughout the stories. Mm -hmm. So I was well, just curious about how that started. Yeah, like I mentioned, I wanted to teach grounding and meditation. And the way to, to teach grounding, for me, the, the, the easiest way for that was to, to illustrate a, a tree with uh, his roots, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so this is how Colin the oak tree uh, was born. You know, I wanted to illustrate a tree with its roots, and um, because it 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 became apparent to me that in order to be to be happy, we need to become autonomous. And trees, you know, they stand their own, and they rely on their own inner strength and uh, ability to uh, to withstand the elements so i thought it was um, uh, a good starting point yeah and that makes, um, makes sense. yeah mm -hmm. and so that's how, how they were born and 
Fluffy just became his sidekick, you know, so <laughs> I had to find him a sidekick. So, but in the process of uh, making the stories, you know, we, uh, we gave a little importance to Fluffy as well. Yeah, I just I just love the way what I love is how you incorporate all the emotions into all the stories and so many great lessons. You know, it's I just feel like, you know, as a parent, um, but then also I think that it could be very therapeutic. I mean, you know, using it in sessions with, you know, some of the kids that I work with, you know, talking about feelings, talking about relationships and um you know, one of your books, I have to remember which one where, you know, the, the raccoon comes and he takes the acorns and mm-hmm. he was, you know, they didn't, it was about trust, you know, but then yeah. what I, what he did was, you know, they gave him a second chance. They gave, you know, the per, the other raccoon that came, um, mm-hmm. that came and they're like, oh, well, we're just going to give this raccoon a second chance. You can't judge somebody. Just, you can't generalize. Yeah. Um, but I just think overall, like there's, so, you know, I know they're for young kids, but I think even for older kids, I think it's, you know, because these are even things that come up as an adult, you know, I think, you know, just kind of relationships. I mean, relationships are complicated, whether I think as a young child or, Mm -hmm. you know, even even as an adult. So, um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed your, I really enjoy all your books. Um, So one of the things I do want to touch on is just that social emotional component, because I know a lot of, um, you know, in all school districts, you know, they're, they're always working on some sort of, you know, social emotional curriculum. And, um, you know, from my experience, what's been hard is that a lot of kids have trouble kind of expressing their feelings sometimes because they don't really have the words for labeling their feelings. And so, what I love about your books, I think it's really, you know, a great tool um, to kind of work on any you know, any social emotional goals. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about how, you know, because I know that how you wrote your books to help support that goal. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the key elements I've learned through my healing journey is the process of how we become emotionally wounded and develop coping mechanisms by slowly disconnecting uh, from our heart and our our feelings and needs and later on our hopes and dreams, which inevitably uh, disempowers us. And one key element of that disempowering process involves what happens during the attachment bonding period with uh, the parents during early childhood. And that bond basically relies on three very crucial needs we all have as humans, which which are feeling safe, feeling unconditionally loved, and feeling connected through meaningful relationships. And this bond is so precious and so important if children are to feel worthy of security and love and relate to others in healthy ways by developing empathy and emotional intelligence, which they can hardly achieve if they are constantly under stressing factors, stressful factors. And so, um, and as little children, you know, the way our parents meet those needs and how they treat and consider us, give us value, is how we end up considering and valuing ourselves and others as we grow older. And so, the um, how that bond becomes wounded will influence the child's sense of worth, which will then affect his self-esteem and what he feels he deserves in life. And this is this is huge because every other aspect of his psyche will trickle down from there. You know, from our own self-esteem to how we relate to others and behave around them. So, um, 
The goal of the series was to give children tools and references in order to develop abilities and habits of self-care. Because um, to, to help nurture those, those needs of safety and love and meaning. Um, teaching them how to care for themselves so they can become autonomous and responsible for their own well-being. Um, because I think that as a children, you know, when you are able to care for yourself, to hold feelings of love and compassion for yourself, then extend, ex extending, extending it, sorry, pardon my French, <laughs> extending it to others uh, becomes natural and becoming a well-balanced uh, adult also comes naturally, I think. And so um, the themes of the books were designed to reinforce that healthy connection with themselves and, and maintain all those habits of self-care. So knowing, knowing your inner strength, you know, appreciating your qualities, using your discernment, uh, expressing yourself, respecting yourself and taking responsibility for your emotions uh, would, be, would all be facilitated. And thus the name uh, Tools of the Heart Uh, and the focus on helping children, connecting with their hearts and, and nurturing what's in it. Um, you know, I'm often asked well, why the heart is so important. And, um, and to me, the reason is that in our hearts are the things that really matter to us, by, that we give importance to, you know, not to mention that it, it's the source of our love, our courage, our joy and wisdom, etc. So, but wounds and fears, you know, also get stored in the heart. And because humans don't like to feel the pain, sometimes they try to avoid it or disconnect from it. And But in doing so, they also disconnect from parts of the things that matter to them, which affects their sense of worth and, and creates doubts and fears. And so ending up, uh, they end up relying on other people's validation in, in order to feel they are worthy of something. Um, this is what happened to me at 25. Uh, throughout my life until I hit 25 and it is something I see in my counseling practice and in which I think is is very uh, prevalent in our society and so so what do you do when you want to make a society a better place to live well you try you try to give children the tools they need to to thrive and become hopeful and joyful and responsible happy adults so that's basically what I I was intending to do with uh, with the books, with the series. Yeah, I, I really think that you have because, it, you know, it's not just the words, but it's also illustrations. It just kind of all connects together. And I just also want to add to in each of your books, um, and this is actually great for parents about my next question, but um, Patrick includes like a remember page and it has certain questions. Like I'm just going to read one from... Colin discovers confidence. Um, and one of the questions you had asked and you answers was, is it normal to worry sometimes? And I think um, that's just such a good question because I think that, you know, as adults, you look at a child and they're worrying and you're like, oh, that's so silly, but their worrying feels so big. And a lot of times kids, as they get older, you know, a lot of kids have a lot more anxiety now than I would say, you know, when we grew up because There's just so many other demands and there's electronics and there's, you know, lots of different factors going on. Um, mm -hmm. But what I love about that, and I think this is really good for parents because, 
you know, it's a way to kind of carry over some of the, you know, some of the, some of the book that you've already read. Cause I think some parents struggle a little bit, you know, they'll read the book, but then they, a lot of times they won't know as far as like what questions to ask or how to kind of take it to a different level. And I think you aid in that by asking those questions, you know, by, by reading that out loud. Um, and then kind of even talking about it with your child, like, is it normal to worry sometimes? And then, you know, and, and of course you say, yes, it's, um, it's okay to worry sometimes, but maybe even asking your child, like, well, what makes you, you know, what makes you worry? Or can you tell me about, or, and then I always say like, as a parent, like sharing those worries with your kids, like about coming from the experience of a parent, because, you know, I, I want kids to also learn that we're also learning and we're making mistakes. And, um, you know, we have lots of different things that, you know, we think about, um, and I don't know, that's one, one of the things, cause I work with kids every day and, you know, it's, I always think it's so important. So I just wanted to add to that, but, um, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that, but as far as like tips for parents, do you have any other, um, any tips for parents as they're reading those books? Um, I would say, um, um, I would say that, um, you know, tantrums and bad reactions, uh, reactions often arise from unmet needs. And, you know, so the more the parent becomes good at uh, recognizing the child, the children's need behind the screams and the tears um, and help him identify it as well, uh, the more the child will feel respected and appreciated and um, it will develop his emotional intelligence and vocabulary for expressing his feelings and needs. And this is also one of the reasons why I created the Remember section at the end so we can expand on and and develop vocabulary. Um, in fact, when uh, um, when I created the, the stories with my, my two col collaborators, uh, vocabulary was uh, a key element. Uh, we wanted to, to, to create a product that would be very um, um, professional and that parents and educators could relate to. So, we put a lot of emphasis on finding the right words to convey the right meaning, and also keep uh, while also keeping the flow of it of the of the stories because you know it was intended for great uh, four years old to seven. So, um, but um, and also one of the things the the reasons why I think children today are so stressed um, is because uh, you know. As adults, we often try to, to make the children follow our own rhythm, and to, which is already, already accelerated by exterior factors, etc. And so instead of, instead of adjusting ourselves to the rhythm of the children, we often ask them to, to speed up their own rhythm, to adapt to ours. And in doing so, you know, it creates a lot of insecurities and which will make uh, children react to that. And our way sometimes of, of dealing with those reactions is just more, more pressure, more, uh, we don't have time for this. So, so we, we create more, more pressure for them. And so it, there's a, there's a, a process of, uh, slowly, you know, um, the child develops the, the thinking that, well, my needs are not very important. My, my my feelings are not important. I need to to comply and you know follow the parents. So and um, 
So there's this is one aspect that uh, I think parents should should be careful for, especially in the early years. Um, maybe by uh, trying to identify within the daily routine where the, ch- the child is uh, feels a bit pressured and to try to uh, to alleviate that and by finding uh, other ways or adapt uh, the routine so so to make the chat so that the child feels that he, he has a certain um, power over his own rhythm and this is why the first the first book is uh, uh, in uh, Father, Son, and Mother Earth Create Life is about breathing and finding your own rhythm. And this book uh, is really interesting to me because um, there's, when we conceived the books, you know, we, we wanted to make them multi-layered, uh, meaning that uh, when you read it uh, a second time, you know, you, you discover something else. And a third time, you, there's always something new to discover or, or inter- interpret or... And the first story talks about the the creation of uh, of life, you know, between the love between mom and a dad, and it 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 um it's in relationship with the the needs I talked about uh, regarding safety and love and meaningful uh, relationships, um, because to create a sense of security for the child who reads the story and create like a anchoring point. For the the subsequent stories, and so there's the there's the narrative of the love between the parents and the 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 life that is born from that, but also um, in the story, you know, Mother Earth is it, it is a mother who learns how to breathe properly and then uh, teaches it to to her garden or children. So um, you know, there there's a sense of conveying to the parents you know um be mindful you're setting the example here <laughs> yeah i so, know i know and it's it's hard sometimes to to slow down because i think everything is so fast paced and i think that's kind of that's kind of what your book does is that it just kind of t- causes you to sort of pause um and actually, I just feel like they're very relaxing to read. I don't know. I found them like a very relaxing thing, relaxing books to read um, with my son. Um, and just to kind of go back a little bit before, because I think we talking about the tips for parents. I think what you were kind of talking about was just the validation of feelings. I think a lot of times, you know, we may not be able to solve all our children's problems or things that are worrying them, but we could definitely validate their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout your books, you just have so many, there's so many different emotions that go through it. And, you know, what I always tell parents, cause I do a lot of parent training is just, you know, a lot of parents asking, well, how do I teach my child that feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are children who do struggle with language. So, you know, a lot of times I'll tell them is that, you know, I would just sort of model, you know, model exactly what that feeling is. So whether it's, you know, let's just say you're reading the book and you could even, you know, talk about the characters and how the characters feel. And maybe when the book is over, it's just sort of reflect about a time that maybe you felt that way. And then you could talk to your child about maybe, you know, when there was a time that they felt that way. Um, so there's just a lot of things that, you know, we could take from the, take from the books. And so while you're talking about the breathing and the, and the mindfulness, I, I wanted to ask you just this one last question about, you know, cause you do guided meditation. I think that's one of the questions, um, 
that I'm curious about is how you incorporate the meditation with the reading of your books or if you do it separately. So if you could talk a little bit about that, because I know a lot of parents are uh, curious about that. Well, um, in the meditations, we, we try to expand on the theme, meaning that, um, for example, book number one, the theme is breathing and finding your own rhythm. So uh, the guide in meditations we do is we try, we try to um, um, make the children feel how it feels to um to sense your own rhythm and the first meditation is you know um bringing the children to to get in touch with his his breathing you know so to help because the basis of meditation is um breathing which you can you know a uh, conscious breathing where you you get to a point where you can uh, control the way you breathe and so that creates a natural um your body relaxes naturally when you're able to to control your own breathing. So this is step one. And in the second meditation uh, of the book number one, um, we try to bring the children mindful of his own inner, inner rhythms, you know, so to, to get acquainted with that. And a, in the, the third meditation, which is related to theme number two, which, which is meditation, um, we bring the children to um, in his own inner garden, you know, because when you meditate, um, you know, breathing is the the gateway to to um, to get in touch with your physical body, and then when you're able to get in touch with your physical body and tending to your physical needs, um, getting in touch with what's going on inside of you uh, is facilitated, and so. And so the third meditation is we bring the children, we just bring him to his inner garden and try to make him visualize things. We, we try to not to, uh, to impose things, but we try to suggest and um, help the children to, to, f to feel how, to feel those things, you know, because it's one thing to read them or see them. It's another to, to feel them. And uh, when you feel it, you know it becomes it it becomes more acquired, I think. And um, uh, then we have the meditations for grounding, where we help the children to visualize his roots and visual visualize a, a tree uh, during a little storm and how he would feel during a storm and focus on his roots. So to 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 maintain his sense of uh, inner strength and confidence. So. It's um, so yeah. We try we try to instill in the children uh, sensations and feelings, but without trying to suggest too much, because to to let space for his his own imagination and his own uh, inner world. So um, yeah, I think that's so, yeah. Go ahead. So we're trying. We're we're basically trying to to make him feel how it feels to um, uh, feel your inner strength and feel your qualities and being able to listen to your intuition and your inner voice, which is uh, book number five, or how it feels to feel confident in expressing yourself. So, uh, or putting your boundaries, how does it feel when you, when you, somebody doesn't respect your boundaries and how would it feel if, 
you are able to to make have them respected. And um, the last book is um, is related to uh, taking responsibilities for your emotions. And the tool that's presented in that um, is a bit akin akin to Reiki, which is in putting your hands on yourself to to uh, to give yourself love and to basically soothe yourself. And I think that self self care and soothing yourself, you know, is an ability that uh, that can be very helpful for children, um, because. Uh, I think there's so many situations where the the children, if he's not able to uh, to express his feelings or needs, then you know at least he can soothe himself and and, and feel better. So um, and giving yourself love and compassion, I think, is the basis for um, you know being compassionate with others as well. So what the I think it helps to develop and nurture. Um, uh, the compassion that you can have for for other people, you know, when you are able to have it for yourself, then extending it to other people comes naturally. And so, um, so yeah, that's a. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's that's really really helpful. I mean, I and like you said before, you know, as parents, we also have to model that because I think as parents, you know, we're. You know, a lot of people, you know, we're working, we're busy, um, we're, we're taking the kids places, we're, you know, cooking and cleaning. And um, a lot of times, you know, I even have to remind myself to take care of myself, you know, <laughs> um, because I'm always doing, you know, for I'm always doing for everybody else. Um, sometimes I'll make everybody dinner and be like, oh, I didn't have dinner. Um, so, <laughs> but, you know, modeling that for the kids to learn that, you know, let's say mom or dad or whoever their, their guardian is, is they're taking care of themselves. Um, and I think it's just a good model to teach. Like I think, and I also think meditation is just so valuable to learn at a young age. And I know um, mm-hmm. in a lot of schools, they are teaching that um, and teaching mindfulness. And I think it's just such a valuable thing to, to know about as you're getting older. Cause I think it was something I really didn't know about until I was an adult. Um, and I kind of had just had to seek it myself, like, you know, just, you know, what kind of meditations work for me. Yeah. Um, but for kids, I think a lot of kids, you know, they're just, you know, as long as you're guiding them, they could really, you know, just, I even say for parents, like, cause they're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do like a full guided meditation or they feel a bit overwhelmed with that. I even mm-hmm. say sometimes just to sort of pause for a minute and, and to breathe and to kind of just talk about how we're feeling at that moment. It doesn't have to be. I don't know, to me, like what I would say, it doesn't have to be 10, 20 minutes. Like even if it's a moment to stop and just to breathe and say, okay, mm-hmm. let's, let's just take a moment. Um, yeah. but I, I really think I, I just love the conversation. I love, you know, just all the stuff that all the information that you've shared because it's, it's got it's sort of endless lessons to it. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's, I, I think if anyone, you know, has tools of the heart, um, I mean, they're going to go purchase tools of the heart. You'll see when you're reading the books, it just feels warm and loving. <laughs> like when you read the books, like I just, I yeah. really did. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I really love them. So um, before we finish up, is there anything that you want to talk about that we did that I didn't ask you? Well, um, I just had a thought, you know, uh, just then when you were talking about meditation and if we look on the physiological aspect of it, you know, um, meditation can really help to, 
we rewire the the brain, whether it's a children or an adult. And um, you no, know, because basically, when when I spoke earlier about the the attachment bond and, and the wounds that get created, uh, sometimes it will you know program the brain in in certain uh, behaviors or react, reactions, and so what meditation can be helpful at is to um, rewire those those uh, behaviors and you know because it helps to um, to lower the implication of the amygdala which is responsible for the the stress response and it helps to um, to uh, facilitate the the pro processing of information through the frontal lobe which uh, develops the emotional intelligence and uh, empathy so um, when we when we are able to to teach meditations to children at such a young age then not only are they learning to to self-regulate and um, and have tools for self-care but they are also uh, retraining their brains to be less reactive to uh, exterior whatever happens uh, outside of themselves so i think that's a really uh, important element in um, self-regulation and uh, being able to to regain your composure and uh, develop more resilience so uh, i think that was a, a really important uh, element for me uh, making tools of the heart yeah, I mean, I, I, I even know that since I started doing meditation, I've definitely felt different. I've been doing it for about, I guess, about a year and a half. And it's definitely, definitely a difference. And so, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and, and talking about your wonderful books. And I'm sure you have more books in the making. Um, and definitely check out Patrick's website at toolsoftheheart.com. Thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. 